Amen. Let's take our seats together tonight. I want to ask a very simple question to everyone that's in this room, young, old, male, or female. It's very, very simple. And I want you to answer this question within yourself. It's a yes or no answer. I want to ask you this question. Are you saved? Are you saved? Very simple. It's either yes or it's no. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. I'm asking you this very simple question. Are you saved? Are you saved? We're saved by grace through faith. It is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. Saved. Saved. What does it mean uh, to be saved? The greatest thing that can happen to your life, the greatest thing that can happen to you in this life is that you get saved. That's the greatest thing. There's nothing greater in this world that can ever happen to you than this one thing, that you get saved. The good news is this, that Jesus Christ has come into the world and that through Him and Him alone, men and women, boys and girls can be saved. Paul said these words in 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came into the world. Here's the good news, to save sinners. It's great to be saved, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful to be saved? Just that simple word tonight, if you think about it for a moment, those songs that we're singing, they're so precious, they're so real. They do something right within the very core of your spirit. It's great to be saved. You see, we're all sinners. All, the Bible says, all. That's inclusive of everyone. All have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. We're all sinners. Sinners by nature, the Adamic nature that we inherit when we're born. We're sinners, and we are sinners because we're sinners. We sin. We do deeds that are sinful before a holy God. And there's a consequence to those sin. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Death. But, thank God for the buts, but the gift of God, God's gift, a gift, God's gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm asking you this very simple question. I want you to answer it within yourself and think about it for a moment. I didn't ask you to you to go to church. I didn't ask you, is your mommy and daddy saved? I didn't ask you tonight, are you a good person? I didn't ask you, are you good living? I didn't ask you, are you a Protestant or a Catholic? I didn't ask you tonight any of those things. I didn't ask you, do you give to the poor? I didn't ask you, do you give to charity? I didn't ask you that you went to Sunday school. I ask you this simple question tonight in this room. Are you saved? It's simple. Are you saved? And within your heart, I want you to answer that question very simply. Either yes or no. There is no halfway. There is no halfway. There's no such thing as half in or half out. You're either saved or you're lost. Saved. God's great gift. God's great gift. The gift of salvation. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. To save everyone in this planet. He came into the world to save you. 
And he has a great gift, this gift of salvation. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, another word is repentance. When you're sorry, truly sorry for the sins that you've committed to him and you believe fully in the cross of Christ, in the work of the cross, the blood that we sang about tonight, the agonizing death of Christ on the cross. He took our sins and our sorrows. He made them His very own. And when we put our faith and trust in the cross and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we ask Jesus into our hearts and we receive the gift of salvation, the Bible tells us that we're born again by the Spirit of God. And we can truly say we're saved. We're saved. Saved. Colossians 1 says something wonderful happens. A transaction takes place. Tells us there that we're delivered. We're set free from the power of darkness. He whom the Son sets free, Jesus, sets you free from your sin, your agony, your torment. He delivers you from the power of darkness and He translates you or transfers you into the kingdom of His own dear Son. And then this is what it says, because this is so precious. And we have redemption. Through the blood of Jesus. That's why we sing about the blood tonight. And Amy was clapping her hands and leading us in song. We're singing about the blood of Jesus. Then it says these words, even the forgiveness of sins. Sins. You see, we've got a problem. We've got a sin problem. You might think there's many things you've got problems. Problems financially. Problems in the home. Problems in relationships. Problems in work, problems in your neighborhood, problems in your mind. But I want to tell you what the real problem is. The real problem is sin. That's why Jesus came. And that's why He died. And that's why He shed His own precious blood. And that's why tonight you can leave this place. This woman came to this house of the Pharisee, Simon. She came in pieces. But I want to tell you something. She left with peace. The peace of God. And you might have come through these doors tonight and your life's a mess, broken. You don't know where to turn. It's upside down. It's inside out. And your whole life is a mess and your mind is troubled and your heart is broken and your life is full of misery and shame. I want to tell you tonight you can leave this place knowing that you're saved, washed in the blood and have the peace of God and the forgiveness of sins. This lady in the Bible, we don't know her name. The Bible just introduces her that in this particular account, in verse 36, there was one of the Pharisees. And if you don't know what a Pharisee uh, is or was, a Pharisee was just really in the time of Christ. He was a religious man. He was a man that was very focused on religious duties and the law. But this man had a desire that Jesus would come to his house These religious men were diligent, so diligent in all the keeping of the law. They had extra laws that they created themselves that they would live by and religious duties and going to the temple and observing all the practices of religion. And he wanted Jesus to come to his house. Actually, in all of the ministry of Christ, if you read through the Gospels, you'll note that the ones that opposed the Lord the most were the most religious It was the Pharisees that opposed his ministry more than anyone else. And it was Jesus that was very forthright 
He spoke very bluntly in words often that we might find it difficult to associate with the Lord, but he spoke quite directly to the Pharisees. He would say to them in Matthew chapter 23, if you read the chapter even after you go home, he would speak to the Pharisees and the scribes, and he would say, you're hypocrites. You're hypocrites. This is coming from the Lord Jesus. He would speak to them and say, you're hypocrites. And the reason why he was so forthright against them, because in all their religious system and activity and bringing in people into that system, they were actually shutting them out from the kingdom of God from coming into the living reality of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They had this huge setup of religious activity. And Jesus said, you've shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, and you yourselves, you won't go in. That's why when the Bible speaks that the kingdom suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. At that time, there were so many people around the Lord, the sinners, the weak, the broken, but they were being shut out from the religious activity. And he says, you've got to press through to get saved. He said to them in verse 14, that you're hypocrites, you devour widows' houses, you have a pretense and great long and exuberant prayers. But you're going to receive a greater damnation, he said to them. Woe to you, Pharisees and scribes, you hypocrites, you make one proselyte, and when it's made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Woe unto you, you blind guides. Know what you're like? You're like a tomb that's painted white, but on the inside it's full of dead men's bones. That's religion. Religious activity and just trusting in your own religious rags, whether it's in this country, whether it's the Protestants or the Catholics or the Hindus or the Muslims or the Buddhists, or all that religious activity, we're trusting in our own works and our own doing and our own laws. And we see that Jesus is speaking to them and said, but inside I see the reality of your heart. You might look right, you might dress right, you might speak right, but in the depths of your being, you're just full of old dead men's bones and uncleanness. But Simon said, this Pharisee said, Lord, I would really want you to come to my house. I would want you to come and eat with me. And so Jesus went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet now so that you understand and see what's happened in this, in this particular account because it's different to how we eat. We would sit around a table and we'd have our plate and our knives and spoons and so forth and we'd eat together in chairs. But in that time, they would eat on the floor. They would sit on their side. Their legs would be out from the back of them. I'm not going to try and do it. But they'd put their legs out the back and they would seat and away in a circle, and their feet were behind them. And so they're all sitting at meat, and there's a conversation that is taking place. And so they're serving the Lord, they're eating, and the Pharisees and other Pharisees had gathered into the household. The disciples were there. And then it says in verse 37, Behold, a woman in the city, this, this woman, that's all it says. It doesn't give you her name, but this woman in the city who was a sinner, Everyone knew this woman. She was a notable woman in that town or in that vicinity. She was a sinner because they all knew when she came in who this woman was. Actually, later on, he says within himself, if he really knew who this woman was and actually what manner of woman, what lifestyle she lived, the type of person that she was, if Jesus really knew about this woman, surely he wouldn't let this woman touch him. But I'm thankful tonight that Jesus receives sinners. Religion judges 
and pushes away. But Jesus receives sinners. Are you glad that Jesus receives sinners? There's no doubt that this woman had a previous encounter with the Lord. This was not her first encounter because we know that she brought something with her. There was a deep sense of gratitude, of thankfulness when she heard where he was. She needed to come and she needed to pour on the Lord some sense of gratitude for what he's done in her life. She didn't really care about the religious. She didn't really care that all the Pharisees, that this was a Pharisee's house. And if it wasn't for Jesus being there, she wouldn't get over the door. And so we see she comes Many believe that this woman was Mary Magdalene. The Bible doesn't tell us that explicitly, but many believe that this woman was Mary Magdalene. And it fits the narrative because in the next chapter, chapter 8, it just simply says these words, And it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village, preaching and so showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women which have been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. And then it says one woman, Mary called Magdalene. From this time on, Mary became, as it were, just a servant of the Lord. She wanted to pour out her life upon the Lord Jesus Christ because she had been so transformed by the power of God. Her life had been so, so impacted by this wonderful encounter with Jesus that the rest of her life she would devote to the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, brothers and sisters, tonight, real and true ministry comes out of a love for Jesus. There's an appreciation for what he's done in our lives. And so out of that comes a gratitude that we want to serve him. It comes because we have the knowledge of sins forgiven, that he's saved us, that he's washed us, that he's delivered us, that he's put a spirit within us, that we have this life and the forgiveness of sin. And out of that, there's a gratitude. Oh, I want to serve him. And this was Mary. Mary Magdalene. Maybe it was that moment... Maybe it was that moment that when she heard of what was taking place in the house of Peter, maybe it was one of those great campaigns or missions that Jesus held when so many would gather in. But in Matthew chapter 8, when he went into Peter's house and he healed Peter's mother-in-law, the Bible tells us that when the evening came, they brought unto him many that were possessed of the devil and he cast out the spirits with his word and he healed all that were sick. And that was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah that he took our infirmities and he bare our sicknesses. What a prophecy. But I want to tell you that's just not a prophecy of the past. It's a prophecy of the present. He still heals all our sicknesses and he still sets the prisoner free. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the prophetic word of Isaiah is alive tonight if by faith we'd hold on to the promise of God. It was Mary and the other women that served him. They were so precious, these women, because he had done so much for them. When all the men who spoke greatly of saying that they'll be with him to the end, the sons of Zebedee that were calling fire down, and arguing over where they would sit in the kingdom of Peter, who said he would never deny him. But there was a group of women that ministered unto the Lord. 
It's such a precious thing because there's such a, a precious ministry where they see the women so near the Lord. At the crucifixion, when all had deserted him, the Bible says, and many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene. There she is at the crucifixion. At his burial in Matthew chapter 27, verse 61, the Bible says, and there was, who did they mention? Mary Magdalene, and the other Mary sitting over beside the sepulcher. And on the resurrection morning, in John chapter 20, verse 1, on the first day of the week, do you know what it says who came? Mary Magdalene. Her life was so impacted, a woman whom out of was cast seven devils, if you just think of that for a moment, to have seven demons, demons are real, seven demons in your life, in your mind, tormenting your spirit, no peace, no rest, can't sleep, trying to take all the type of tablets you can possibly take in order to try and numb the pain, to keep the pain away, being tormented night and day. But then she met Jesus. She didn't need another pill because she met the Master. He changed her life completely and out of her at the power of his word seven devils were cast out. No wonder she ministered unto the Lord. No wonder wherever he went she followed. No wonder when she heard she was in the Pharisee's house. I don't really care whose house he's in. I just want to be where he is. I'm not interested in what the Pharisees or the religious say anymore because I've met this man. And he's everything to me. When she knew that Jesus was at meat in the Pharisee's house, the Bible says she brought an alabaster box of ointment. This was a special box of precious ointment sealed with wax. It was of great expense. And as he is at meat and his feet are behind him and everyone is talking and the Pharisees no doubt were quizzing him, and Simon is looking at this man, Jesus, that he's heard so much about. The Bible just says that she stood at his feet behind him, weeping. She's weeping. She's weeping. There's tears. She's weeping. The tears are so flowing down her face that they run onto the feet of Jesus. And she begins to wash his feet with her tears. She's so broken of the reality of this encounter that she's had with Jesus, the forgiveness of sin, that he would save someone like me, that he would reach down into the gutter of sin and the darkness of where I was, and he would save me. Are you glad you're saved? Do you appreciate? Is there a gratitude? Is there still a tear that comes down your face when you think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for you? Does your soul still lift up and cry, Hallelujah! Or have you forgot the horrible pity got you out of? The depths of sin and darkness. The awfulness of the dark night when you were in the depths of despair and nowhere to turn and no one to turn to. And all seemed to be forsaken. And in the midst of that loneliness and that darkness, and in the midst of the brokenness of that sin, bound by sin and shame and iniquity, bound for hell itself. And then there's a cry goes up, Oh God, 
If you're there, would you save me? And a hand comes down from glory, and it's a nail-pierced hand, and he reaches down into the depths of your sin and your despair, and he lifts you up. Glory be to God. He hasn't changed. It's the gratitude, it's the appreciation of all that he's done. But can I tell you tonight, young person in this room, you see, she was a notable sinner. She was well known in the town. You know, it's the, it's the woman that all the town gossip about and say, there's your woman. Have you seen your woman? Have you heard about your woman? Did you hear what's happened to her? Did you hear the police raided her house again? Did you hear what she was doing last week? Did you hear about her parties you had? Everyone's talking about this woman. But I want to tell you something, young person. Maybe you're nothing like this woman. But I want to tell you something. It took the same death, the same agony, the same shame, the same blood, the same crown of thorns, the same nails in his hands and his feet. It took all of that as much to save that 40-year-old woman if she was around that in the depths of despair, maybe even a prostitute, some would say, as it did to save you at the age of four. Think about it. It took the same death. You see, this woman is weeping knowing that the only hope that she has in this world, and friend, could I tell you tonight in this room, the only hope, the only hope, the only hope that you have, the only hope is this man Jesus. He is your hope and your only hope in this world. The only one that can forgive your sins tonight is not the priest, it's not the pastor, it's not the minister. It's not through penance, it's not crawling over mountains. Not your rosary beads. It's not all your religious activity. It's not your orange order. It's not your royal black. It's not your secret societies. None of those things can save you, friends. The only thing that can save you tonight is Jesus. So only one can forgive sins. And so often we see the religious activity in this town pounding the streets and pounding the roads in the mornings, heading up. Pray and seek forgiveness from a man. I'm going to tell you, friends, there's only one can forgive sins. And there's one mediator. And his name is Jesus. The only one that knew all about her life, but still bids her to come. It's amazing. Religion struggles with this, but Jesus doesn't. Because he came into the world to save sinners. The only one that can save her. The only one that can deliver her. The only one that can lift her. The only one that can transform her life. The only one that can forgive her sins. And her sins were many. Is this man, Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It is in what she brought is a manifestation of her deep appreciation. I want to ask you tonight, not in substance or things, but I want to ask the church tonight, what did you bring? What did you bring? What did you bring? Did you bring a heart of thanksgiving? Did you bring an appreciation? Friends, think about it. Think, Just think, I look across this room, I know so many of the testimonies. We've heard them in this 
hall tonight. But I just want you to think again. Think of the day and the hour that he saved you. Think of that, think of that day. I mean, where would you be if he hadn't saved you? Where would you be tonight if he hadn't saved you? Where would you be? Have you ever thought for a moment, where would I be? Where actually would I be if I wasn't saved on the 12th of September, 1993? I want to tell you something, friends, tonight. I know this for a fact. I'd be already dead and in a lost sinner's hell. But for the grace of God. But for the grace of God. She brought the most precious thing that she had. It was a box of ointment. Now, when the religious seen this, when Simon sees this, Simon says within himself, listen carefully, Simon said within himself, I got this man into my house. I've heard about this man, Jesus, great prophet, heals the sick, so forth. I'm not too sure about all of this, but see if this man... If he really was a prophet, he would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she's a sinner. Now, he didn't say it out loud. He said it within himself. Can I tell you something tonight? Jesus knows every thought in this room. Jesus knows what you're thinking. Oh, you don't speak it out, but he knows your thoughts. This is what the psalmist says, O Lord, Psalm 139, Thou hast searched me and known me. Now knowest my down sitting. See, before you come out tonight, see, before you get ready to come, come to this service, see, before you get up out of your seat, the Bible says he knows your down sitting and my uprising, thou understandest my thought afar off. Listen, that Jesus knows every thought of every person in this room, not only in this room, but this might cause our little minds to be troubled, but he knows every thought of every human on this planet, all at the same time. Because he's God. But he knows your thought. He knows your thought. He knows what you're thinking. And you may not speak that thought out, but he knows what you're thinking. And Simon's saying, boy, see, if he really knew who this woman was and the type of sinner she was, there's no way he would allow her to touch him. Can I tell you something tonight? Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's the greatest news we have. Sinners. What type of sinners? We're all sinners. So Jesus said to Simon, Simon, I have something to say to you. The, the, the Lord, is, it's so wonderful to see how the Lord, knowing his thoughts, speaks to Simon. It's actually amazing what he says. He says, Simon, 
You see, he's not just going to leave him with his own thought. He's going to bring that thought out and he's going to display to him what's actually happening in his house. He said, Simon, I've somewhat to say to you. And he said, well, Master, say on. He said, there's these two bankers, if you like, who had two debtors. One owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, there was no means by which they could pay the debt. He just said to them, frankly, I'm going to forgive you of all your debt. Can I bring it up in the modern terms? There's two people in this room. It's me and Brent. He owes the banker 500. I owe the banker 50. The banker calls us in. He says, fellas, listen, I've got great news for you. Both of you are free to go. Who do you think would dance up the road more than the other? I'd say he'd be jumping higher than me. Because it's 500 and it's 50. He's trying to bring something of an amazing truth. What he's trying to show to Simon, you see this woman? See this woman? See the sin that she lived in? See the life that she had? See the brokenness? I knew all of that. I know who she is. I know where she goes. I know her reputation, right? I know all that she's been up to. I know everything about her, but I've forgiven her. She's met me. I've set her free. And now the reason why she's here is because she knows the great debt that she owes. And I paid that debt for her. Simon's standing because he's trusting in his religion. I want to tell you, friend, tonight, your religion's not getting into your heaven. No matter how religious you are, no matter how much money you give to the poor, no matter how charitable you are, no matter how many times you go to mass or you go to church, none of that's going to get you into heaven. Listen to me, none of it, not one bit of it's going to get you into heaven. And so many are trusting in, they're like Simon, they're trusting in their religion. Religion's an awful thing. Religion's man trying to make it to heaven. See, relationship is when Christ comes down to man. It's amazing. He says to Simon, I've come into your house. You've given me no water for my feet. But you see, this woman, she's actually washing my feet with her tears. And drown them with her hair. You know, it was custom to show honor and hospitality to those travelers that came into your house in those times. It was custom and it was great honor to wash their feet. Did John, did John 13, was it not, did it tell us there that Jesus, when he was sitting with his disciples, rose up, he took a basin, he took a towel, and he began to wash the feet of the disciples. Some churches today have made this an ordinance. It's not an ordinance, but But he says, listen, if I've done this to you, you should do it to each other. I know you're getting nervous. I don't have a basin or water. But there was a principle that he was trying to show. There was something off how we are to honor each other, how we are to serve one another. There's something so precious about it because here's the way it is. Tonight, if we all in this meeting and we all got a basin and we got water, and we got a towel. I'm not, it's not planned, don't worry, don't panic. And we all began to wash each other's feet, and then you come to a person maybe you're not so happy about. Maybe someone that you maybe just don't get on well with, and you have to wash their feet. 
But it's easy to walk the other side of the hall because, you know, I don't have to meet them. But then the Lord says, I want you to take a basin. I just want you to wash their feet. You have to get down just like the Lord. You have to get down on your knees. You have to take off their shoes. You have to bring a basin. You have to wash their feet. Such a humbling thing, isn't it? But you see, Jesus walked into this house. Simon did not even wash his feet. But see this woman? The tears ran down her face. She began to wash his feet with her tears and dry them with her hair. Simon, I come in and you didn't even greet me with a kiss that was to show honor. But see this woman... This woman, from the time I've come into this place, and she has been here, she ceased not to kiss my feet. She was right down on the floor. Her tears were flowing. Her hair was... It makes, it's not in our Western culture. I understand that, so it might be difficult even to sort of understand what was happening. But here's a woman who was a notable sinner that everyone knew about her. And the Pharisees were speaking of her, and here she is, she's finding rest. She's finding peace at the feet of Jesus. Says Simon, my head, with oil you did not anoint, but this woman has taken this so precious ointment, and with my feet she has anointed them. You see, when we really have a love for Jesus, it's demonstrated, and this is really another message, I won't preach it, but it's demonstrated by our love for his body. Isn't it? You see, this, those here saved, and in this room tonight, we are the body of Christ. She wanted to serve because she had been so touched by the power of God. She wanted to serve him. And so Jesus says these words. He said, Simon, listen. See her sins? Her sins, which are many. This is the greatest news anyone can hear. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, he turned to her, the Pharisees are standing, speaking within themselves. He turned to this woman. You can see her looking at him into the eyes of Jesus. He turned to this woman, and he looked into her eyes, and he said, woman, your sins are forgiven. I tell you, there's only one man can forgive your sins. And it's Jesus Christ. And they that sat at meats began to say, listen, here they are again, within themselves. Who is this? He forgives sins as well. He casts out devils. He raises the dead. He heals the sick. He opens the blinded eye. He unstops the deaf ears. But here he is. He can forgive sins. I want to tell you something. There's nobody like Jesus. 
He said to this woman, as they were all speaking into themselves, do you know what he said? You listen to me as I close. I'm asking you this question just again. Are you saved? Are you saved? Is it yes? Are you saved? Or it's a no. Jesus turned to this woman. You know what he said? He said, thy faith has saved thee. And in these three words, and you can leave with this tonight, if you're saved, if you give your life to Jesus, if you turn from your sin, ask him to come into your heart. This is what he said to us, three words. Go in peace. I want to tell you that woman walked out of that religious gathering with the peace of God in her heart, free, her sins forgiven. And what the Lord done in that woman's life those 2,000 years ago, could I tell you, friend, you can do it in your life in this room tonight. You can leave with something this world will never give you, the peace of God. Nothing like the peace of God. It's great to have the peace of God, isn't it? The reality of sins forgiven. Are you saved? Are you saved? You can be saved tonight. Let's pray.